In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Building a financial plan is said to be like building a house. So what is the formula for financial independence? We've got it for you on today's show. It's a simple formula, and it's our Christmas gift to you. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And a Merry Christmas to everyone in Genwealth land. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. John Shrewsbury, Janet Walker, and Teresa Arago. And Teresa, you came all the way from Conway, and you did not bring my present or Janet's. I'm so surprised. What? I didn't. You know, we're talking about budgeting and not spending all our money on Christmas. So I figured you would prefer I don't go into debt. But, you know, seriously, though, with my crew of six kids to buy for, (laughs) I don't usually get a lot of extra gifts in. John, when those kids are all out of the house, we're getting some seriously big Christmas gifts. Absolutely. Story of our lives right now. I have a lot more disposable income at that point, for sure. (laughs) Well, I I hope that, that nobody is overspending their budget today. And and or has overspent their budget if you're listening on Saturday but uh, obviously there's some of that going on and so we felt like it might be good today to start talking about financial independence mm-hmm. right around Christmas because right now it's when you really probably need to tidy some things up if you're um, if you've expanded that Christmas budget and and guys I it's it's so much easier to do nowadays because so much of this is online and um, it's mm-hmm. like we've got a path in our yard that's been worn by the by the uh, <laughs> Amazon guy i'm not real sure about why but uh it's a big path yeah that that whole click and spend thing you Uh know there have been so many studies done over the years about the psychology of even the difference from going from spending cash to swiping a card physically swiping a card and and it shows us scientifically that when you spend cash it registers as pain in your brain it's the same feeling as if somebody stepped on your toes in your brain it feels the same way to give away that money in exchange for an item but when you swipe a card it doesn't register that way well how much less painful if you will is it to just click buy now yeah and that's it that's all you have to do because it already knows where to deliver Mm -hmm. it it already knows all of that you just confirm and you're done and And the presents start magically rolling yes yes and you have you know psychologically you've not experienced any pain to make those purchases the pain comes later i was gonna say in most (laughs) cases you're using some sort of credit card most likely based on typical you know spending patterns here in the states so even then the pain's not coming for a while and we've talked with people many times about how you can think I'm only spending a little bit here a little bit there but just like building a house the more you get into the nuance of the the house the more expensive the house becomes all of a sudden well nobody ever said that you were going to become financially independent by having more stuff I think we we got rid of that idea in the 80s and and so today what does it take to be financially independent we won't say it's going to be easy but it might be simpler than you think 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't have to be complicated. Again, the difference is it's not easy. That's correct. But it doesn't have to be complicated. And really, the first foundation, when you want to talk about the foundations of financial independent the, of financial independence, the very first foundation is saving. And it sounds very simplistic, but it's really something that you have to start with. If you don't have a foundation of savings, then what happens when the refrigerator goes out? You know, mm-hmm. Mr. Visa is is going to pay for the refrigerator and then you're going to pay Mr. Visa for the refrigerator and you're going to pay interest and maybe late fees if you're not paying it in a timely manner. So if you just have that savings set back and it doesn't have to be the full three to six months of expenses before you start focusing a little bit on other areas, but that's your ultimate goal in your savings is to have that three to six months of expenses, but at least start out with a couple of thousand dollars. It needs to be your primary focus until you get to that point. Teresa, I think it has to be uh, the word is intentional. I think that's the buzzword these days is intentional and your savings has to be intentional. That really has to start with a good uh, budget plan. Yes. If you don't know what you're spending money on right now, then it's going to be very difficult for you to make wise choices going forward. Think about Christmas. It comes every single year without fail. Uh, My kids would say thankfully, but (laughs) I don't necessarily plan every single year in advance for it. Right. There's been many times where I get to October or November and I go, oh no, I forgot to put that money back. So you have to start ahead. So that budget needs to not just include your day-to-day spending, but it also needs to include those other things like birthdays that are coming up. And it needs to have a little wiggle room in it. Mm -hmm. But the first step is to figure out where you spend your money in the first place. I can't tell you how many clients I've met with who, when they do this step of just creating the budget, they go, I never realized how much I spend on X. And it's usually something they don't need once they realize how much. Now, pre-COVID, the most common X was Mm -hmm. eating out. Yes. Now, that obviously, you know, it's different for every household. And in COVID days, it's it's different as well. And frankly, there may be people who have accidentally saved money in 2020 just Mm -hmm. because they weren't traveling as much. They weren't eating out as much. But that's also kind of loosening up a little bit. But guys, let's talk about this budget. And and I'll tell you something that I've done on this for years. I, I remember quite a few years ago I started doing this for for our household and it just it it made me feel better about things it wasn't really that much of a mathematical difference but it gave me some some big peace of mind I had already been using the zero-based budget anyway but the difference that I started doing was those things that are annual payments or maybe quarterly or every six months things like we don't escrow for our homeowners Mm -hmm. insurance and our taxes we pay that out of pocket and so you know October Saline County wants a check for the taxes on on the Walker abode you know and that's it's a it's a good size little comma check and so we we started automatically you just take that amount and divide it by by 12 as though you have an escrow account on your mortgage and we just automatically put that in savings but not just for that category so things like what Teresa was saying when you think about Christmas all right how much is reasonable how much do you want to spend on Christmas divide that amount by 12 and in January or however often you get paid let's say it that way so it's coming out of every paycheck. So in January, you start with each paycheck and you begin to put back that portion of it automatically into savings. And what you will find is when your taxes come due or whatever it is, it's not a panic moment anymore. It's just, oh yeah, that money has been being put into savings this whole time. So it's there. It's not a problem. And it makes life so much easier. Well, and when you think about Christmas, you know, the most 
the simplest parallel I can draw is I took my kids on a trip to Disney two different times. Mm -hmm. I was very blessed to be able to do that. The first time I had planned ahead and every dollar had been saved. So I had a budget in advance. I had prepaid for a lot of it. Every time my kids spent money, it felt like joy to me. Like I was giving them something. So think about the parallel with Christmas. You were just, when you've got the money set aside and you know there's not a bill coming later, the joy can be greater, in my opinion. Whereas the trip where I didn't plan ahead because it was kind of a spur of the moment decision, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was counting every dollar. Not that we didn't have fun, but every dollar I was going, oh, I didn't expect it to be that much. So if we do that and that bill comes in, you knew it was coming. It's just money you already had set aside and you're done. And that's the joy of planning ahead. It comes with the sacrifice, that joy on the back end. At GenWealth, we use a zero-based budget spreadsheet because Mm -hmm. it allows our our clients to assign every dollar to a particular category, even a a category called blow money, because you know you're going to blow some money, so you might as well go ahead and and mark it down and and put it in there. Uh, If you would like a copy of that zero-based budget, Janet, it's really easy. All you have to do is email us to get it. Yeah, email us at info at getreadyforthefuture.com. So it's info at getreadyforthefuture.com. Or if you're watching us on Facebook Live, you can click uh, it, it, click the link in the comments and mm-hmm. let us know there that you'd like to have it. And uh, we'll get it out to you. And I would start with just looking at your um, electronic you know, documentation of what you're spending in the bank and fill in what you're already doing. And it'll make it easier to fill in the gaps from there. Feels like it may be a little bit of a heavy lift to get started, but once you get started, you will absolutely love it and and, and will uh, be lost without it, uh, yes. quite frankly. And, and <laughs> Janet will, will testify to that. Savings is an intentional matter. So it is number one on the foundation for financial independence. We'll pick up on the other three on the other side of the break. This is the Get Ready for the Future show from GenWealth Financial Advisors. We are mapping out the foundation of financial independence. Actually, there are four pillars or four foundations, if you will, of financial independence. We've already talked about savings, and, and that's one that, that kind of people go, eh, yeah, I, don't, I, I know I need to save, but uh, do I really have to do that? Yes, you do have to do that. You need that emergency fund. You need three to six months of expenses as an emergency fund, and then you need to be, need to be saving for other things above and beyond that. So savings is the first Uh, step that you've got to take in terms of getting to financial independence. The second one is uh, probably a little bit harder to to come by these days than than the savings component, and that is protecting. Because, you know, when I was young, life insurance was a big deal. Yeah. These days, life insurance almost seems like this, this uh, you know, expense that you just dread to even talk about. But guys, life insurance is becoming more and more important, and it is one of the foundations of financial independence. I'll tell you, this, this probably echoes with me a little bit more this year than it ever has in my life. Um, the older I get, and, and I'm not 50 yet, so just hush, <laughs> the older I get, the I'm more people, yeah, that's wise, <laughs> and the more people in my age range 
that I know who aren't with us anymore and mm-hmm. and not even COVID related stuff but it's just it's just really beginning to hit home that you know we say it all the time you don't know how much more time you have and and it doesn't matter if you have a a known health issue or not car accidents you name it it doesn't mm-hmm. matter we just the three of us we can list a a number of people the list is way too long who didn't make it to 55 and and should have you know with all normal assumptions should have made it to 55 but didn't and so the question is what if you don't come home tomorrow well the other thing that doesn't come home is your paycheck and if you've been earning that paycheck to support your family then what happens when that check is not there anymore and and i'll tell you guys uh, this is just from personal experience um I think that as a society that we expect widows to have some challenges financially if if something happens to their husband and everybody kind of chips in for whatever reason we don't expect that with widowers and and I'm going to tell you when when the you know we're talking about younger ages but even older when the social security checks go from 2 to 1 you know, are you prepared for that? That's going to happen regardless of who goes first. That's going to happen at some point. And if something happens during your working years, we're in a time where most families are two working income families. And so if if you can't live without one spouse's income, you better have some life insurance in place so that the surviving spouse, regardless of whether it's the husband or wife, is able to maintain the family standard of living. And I've also encountered a lot of people who the insurance they have, the life insurance in place, is purely the employer plan. Yeah. And that's not going to likely be enough. Often that's maybe one year salary or maybe $100,000, but that's not enough. If, you know, if I were to not come home tomorrow, my family would not be okay just to pay off the house or just to pay off a few months worth of bills. Well, and and let's, we're just going to use round numbers. Let's Mm -hmm. say Teresa's 40 and she's got, you know, 20 (laughs) more years to before retirement. Mm -hmm. They need to replace 20 years of working income. Now it doesn't have to all be in a lump sum, but they've got to replace your income for the next 20 years and then still be able to retire. Yes. And that's, that's a bigger number than a hundred thousand dollars. And let's say I was staying home. Don't yeah. think just because I was staying home that there's no income replacement needed because if I were staying home, my spouse would still need to pay for the things that I was taking care of. Yeah, I, I jokingly say they're going to have to have Mary Poppins money. <laughs> they, yeah. they will have to hire Mary Poppins if you don't come home. Well, and, and let's be truthful about this. Uh, I think a lot of people get very myopic about this and think, well, you know, life insurance is not going to do me any good. It ain't about you. It's about mm-hmm. your family. That's right. And if it's important for your family to be financially independent, then it's important for you to sit down and talk about life insurance. Now, mm-hmm. I, I am not a big proponent of having massive amounts of life insurance and building up big cash values and things no. of that nature. It is about income replacement, especially if you are before retirement. But a, a change in the law last year really has changed the, the landscape as mm-hmm. far as the, the whole family passing along a, a family legacy and and actually uh, the the uh, transfer of, of assets from one generation to the next because with most people in Arkansas, they have their wealth inside their qualified 401k plan, IRA, or whatever the case may be. The SECURE Act used to, uh, you, it allowed you to uh, be able to pass along the, the money that you have in your IRA 
and do a stretch payout on that over the course of the beneficiary's lifetime. If you're talking about the next generation, not your spouse, but the next generation, meaning your kids in most cases. Well, the SECURE Act has come along and basically said you got to compress that to a 10-year time frame, Mm -hmm. pay tax on all the money within 10 years. Well, here's the the problem with that. Here's what happens with the mindset of of people who have already had to pay tax on, on money. They say, well, why do I need to save it? Because I've already paid tax on it. I'll end up paying tax on whatever it earns again later down the road. And it totally destroys the wealth buildup that that uh, IRAs and 401k plans have traditionally had over the years. And Janet, uh, this is something that is a major change in the way that we're going to be talking about planning in the future here at GenWealth. Well, planning and life insurance specifically, because we have always, you know, prior to this law change, we have believed that you really just need life insurance for a period of time when you have an obligation to protect your income for your family. And then once you're retired, in in almost all cases, you don't need life insurance anymore. And unless there's a pension income that when you pass away, it's going to be gone completely, and that income also would need to be replaced for your spouse, then there's a need for it to go through retirement. But for most people, that's not the situation. So we believe there has been a time where you just needed it up to the point that you were still earning income for your family and you became self-insured. But now we with this change in the law through the SECURE Act, we believe that there are some people, not all, but there are some people who are going to need this and want it in place to protect against taxes and that generational transfer of wealth because it, it is a new dynamic that has come to the table. And, and I think it's just one of those times where you need to sit down with an advisor and determine whether this applies to you or not. But the, mm-hmm. the point is, regardless of your stage of life, that you've got to pay attention to what the life insurance needs for your family might be. Well, and let's talk about that stage of life thing for just a second, because if you think about when wealth transfer is likely to happen, it's going to happen in your 60s, 70s, and 80s in most cases. But you cannot wait until your 60s, 70s, and 80s to apply for life insurance to be able to wealth transfer on a Mm tax-free basis. Because in most cases, you're in a situation then when your health precludes you from being able to qualify for a standard price life insurance policy. Now, you might qualify for one that is an increased price, but I think it's going to be even more prudent for folks in in their 40s and 50s to begin thinking about not only income replacement for their family in the current time, but also that next generation of wealth transfer, what you want to do for your kids and your grandkids as time goes on. And that's something that that only life insurance can do on a tax-free basis. Because even, I was just thinking about this while you were talking, Janet, even under the SECURE Act, Roth IRAs are subject to required minimum distributions. Right. Now, they're not subject to taxation, but those Roth IRAs still have to be taken out of the Roth IRA environment over that 10-year period of time, which means, again, the money is, is free and clear to be spent as opposed to building it up for some sort of legacy for the kids and the grandkids. Teresa, let's talk about another type of, of protection, another type of insurance that some people might want to consider. Um, one of the most expensive aspects of life in retirement can be health care. Yes, it can. It, you know, thinking about insurance versus non-insurance, not being insured can be the single largest devastator for your financial future. A healthy 65-year-old couple retiring in 2019 can expect to spend more than $387,000 
for retirement health care costs. Mm -hmm. That's not including long-term care, by the way. So if you're not planning carefully for your health care expenses and thinking ahead for that in your budget, think about the impact that basically $400,000 can have on your retirement expenses and, and what that would do for your future. That could be huge. So planning ahead for that and making sure you have the right coverages in place is really important. There are a lot of tools out there and a lot of helpful agencies that are sure. not, they don't have a dog in the fight. So they would be a great advocate for you. I would I would really think that it makes a lot of sense to put some thought into that before you make decisions on it. Janet, one of the things that you need a financial advisor for is to kind of look what I call around the corner and, right. and see what's coming as opposed to what you see right in front of you. You need someone to look ahead and around that corner. And one of the things when we're dealing with folks who are in a long-term care situation, maybe it's with a parent or grandparent or whatever the case may be, maybe it's their own situation. But one of the things that by the time you know you need it, it's too late is long-term care insurance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and long-term care insurance is something that, that, again, is a hard conversation to have. No one wants to think about themselves being debilitated enough that they need some type of care that's over and above their health insurance. But long-term care is going to come. The statistics show that that over half of the people who turn age 65 will need some type of long ter- long-term care services during their lifetime and this is again something that you've got to plan for before it gets uh, to your doorstep. I think it's helpful guys for people to understand how we approach this conversation. We're not saying that everybody needs to purchase long-term care coverage or that it's even appropriate for everybody to have. We are saying to be intentional about making the decision and mm-hmm. so the process that we'll go through here if you're in that that age range where it's appropriate to have the conversation is we'll look at all right if you got coverage let's determine how much coverage you would need and let's just run this and get the quotes and and then when the quotes come back then we look at it and we make an intentional decision at that point and it's not something that you're going to kick down the road and go well let's look at it in five Mm -hmm. years well you know what in five years you're five years older and it's going to be five years more expensive And, and so you just you want to be intentional and make the decision. If you're 55 to 60, sometimes older than that, but if you're in that 55 to 60 range, you need to sit down and have the conversation. And build that cost of that long-term care into your retirement income plan. That way it's taken care of and you know that that coverage is in place. I think a lot of people, these aren't fun conversations to have. You know, when it comes to retirement planning, for us, it's fun. For some, maybe it's not. But it's it's not fun to think about the end of my life and what's going to happen in that situation. And it's not fun to think about long-term care or health care expenses. But that's not planning either. Being scared of it is not going to help you. It's not going to help your family. But dealing with it and having a plan in place, maybe that'll at least get it off the table and you can move on. Yeah, we will take a look at uh, the next foundation of retirement planning and, and financial independence. It's called investing. Up next on the Get Ready for the Future show. We are taking the Christmas edition of the Get Ready for the Future show, talking about the four foundations of financial independence. We've covered savings, we've covered protection, and now we're going to talk a little bit about investing. And who else would we want to have on the show today to talk about investing other than the chief market strategist for LPL Financial, Ryan Dietrich. Ryan, how are you today? John, I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm, I'm talking to you from the in-laws house, so <laughs> I'm not in the office. 
we'll uh, we'll see how this goes. So far, so good, though. Hey, <laughs> if you're at the in-laws house and you're saying you're doing well, we're going to take that as a Christmas win, Ryan. That's, That's awesome. Right. That's right. <laughs> well, hey, let's go ahead. And That's dive. actually code for save me. That's code for save me, Janet. <laughs> careful, careful. <laughs> we got you. We got you. All right. Well, hey, let's go ahead and dive dive in and talk a little bit about investing. Um, Ryan, we talk around here quite a bit about the Gen Wealth difference, and and that is that we are education driven, strategy based, and team delivered. And while our clients, they see our advisor teams working with them on a regular basis and, you know, directly working on their plan and financial goals. A lot of times, I don't think they're necessarily aware of the team relationship that we have with LPL, particularly in using model wealth portfolios, or uh, we often refer to it with our clients as MWP. Uh, So tell us about the advantage that Mm -hmm. your team brings to the table in the relationship there. Well, I think the easiest way to put it is we're nearly a 30-person research team, right? We've got different sections of the team. My team kind of does more of the communications and looks at the market from a bigger point of view. And then we've got, you know, the team that that interviews managers. They did a 1,000 interviews of managers this year. They looked at, you know, which managers they liked, which ones they didn't. And then we kind of put it all together and and we, from a big macro point of view, along with our diligence team, manager due diligence team that talks about those managers to find the best managers, and it's it's a really uh, you know fun process. There's a lot of work to be done, but at the same time, we make I think hopefully your life a lot easier by um, doing all a lot of the hard work behind the scenes for you. You absolutely do. We truly appreciate that, Ryan. By working with LPL, one of the benefits that we can give our clients is access to what we call institutional management. What advantage does that give a client to talk about institutional management of their money? Well, I mean, like you said, John, just the word institution, right? It means a lot of things to a lot of people. To us, it's you know, th- there's a lot of knowledge inside of LPL, right? Again, I mentioned we did a thousand interviews with managers. We've got different third-party research, and we use Bloomberg. We use facts that we use a lot of different data and if we crunch that data we've got a quantitative analysis team i mentioned that 30 person team we've got a quantitative analysis uh three or four guys on the quantitative analysis team that crunch all these different data and all these different models and and we do lots of you know prediction not well not prediction that's the wrong word i'm saying we try to you know look out there and look at a different spectrum of what could happen if rates do this what could happen if rates do this what about if earnings do this what about if the gdp does this and plug all these different data points in to find, you know, potentially the best best path for people's investments and for your clients' investments, and really it comes down to, again, you know, using an institution to your knowledge. I compare it to like a shark, right? You know, those little, I forget what they're called, actually, but the little guys who follow along with the shark and just kind of live a good life and eat a lot of good food, the leftovers from the shark. You know, let's swim with the shark, and, and, and hopefully, you know, LPL's a bit, I hate to say we're a shark. It's wrong, probably the wrong analogy here. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, you know, let, let's swim with somebody who's got a lot of institutional fortitude and uh, LPL can do that for you and and your clients. And when your team is building portfolios, I know you've mentioned some of them already, so there may be a little duplication here, but when you think of the components or principles that you use to bring value to our clients, like diversification, Mm -hmm. what is the value there in your mind to our clients? Well, you know, some what we found time and time again, not just with LPL, but in investments. Think about in March, right? You, you, investors tend to make the worst possible decisions at the extremes. We know March was obviously a major low. 
And then at major peaks, people get a little excited. So, you know, with LPL, we have a ground-in process using fundamentals, technicals, and valuations. Again, with a 30-person-plus team, you know, with decades of experience, I mean, hundreds of years of experience, actually, if you added it all up. And it's, you know, sometimes to protect yourself from yourself. You know, there's, there's the old saying by J.P. Morgan that, you know, there's nothing more powerful uh, from uh, from uh, someone's point of view than seeing your neighbor get rich. you got a neighbor getting rich and they're telling you what they're doing. You're going to want to go do that. But sometimes that could be the absolute worst thing that you can do um, You know, at those extremes. And I think just protecting investors from themselves a lot of time is what a place like LPL can really bring to the table. It's a great that, point. That <laughs> behavioral modification is uh, something we deal with on a regular mm-hmm. basis for sure. Uh, Ryan, let's talk <laughs> yeah. a little bit about uh, chasing returns. Do you, do you have a portfolio on your platform that is uh, a, a return chaser, if you will? Well, we sure do. We've got a couple different ones. You know, I guess one alpha focus is one that stands out that, you know, definitely is, is trying to be in the in some of the more aggressive models and the things that are really, um, you know, really moving. And, and that's an important point. You know, the markets have had such an amazing run. We, we're aware of that. United States, big cap tech, we all know the big run they've had. But I'd like to point this out. Emerging markets aren't even above where they were in 2008, January 2000, I'm sorry, of uh, 2018, January 2018. Emerging markets aren't even above Janet where they were in 2007. So those are some areas around the globe, in our view, that really could continue to have some strong outperformance and strength here as this global bull market, which we anticipate to continue. And emerging markets is one area that we are definitely bullish on and, and, and adding a little bit in the, in the proper portfolios and models that we run for our advisors. Speaking with Chief Market Strategist at LPL Financial, Ryan Dietrich. Ryan, uh, this may get in the weeds just a little bit, but uh, in the spirit of us being education-driven, some of the portfolios that uh, we use at LPL are considered to be tactical, while others are considered to be strategic. So help our our listeners understand Mm. what the difference between those two are. Yeah, John, great question there. You know, when we say tactical, we're looking at something maybe for six to nine months, right? Some trends that might not last forever, but things that are starting to improve, like right now. You know, those cyclical value names, industrials and materials, we think they can bounce here and continue to lead for six to nine months. Will they really do well for for, for the next five years? We don't know, but that's what tactical means to us. Now, strategic is is a bigger picture point of view and and for those kind of longer buy and hold type type of investors. So, you know, one's a little more, if you will, um, aggressive, a little bit more, you know, active. Active is probably the best word I'm looking for here, whereas the others are are willing to, um, you know, kind of wait the whole length of a complete economic cycle or an investment cycle. I'm just going to throw in a couple of, of keys to help people keep those two straight in their minds because people get those mixed up all the mm-hmm. time. If you think about tactical, it is more tactile. It is touching it more often. You're going to make more changes to mm-hmm. a tactical portfolio. And if you think about strategy, like a chess game is a strategy game, and you've got to look several moves ahead and be way farther down the road in what you're thinking and doing. So that is your longer term thought process. So, it, it, Ryan, obviously, it pays to have a linguist on the staff, and, and may, maybe uh, maybe LPL research. Yeah, that, that was excellent, by the way, Janet. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so let's let's dive in a little bit on where we are right now, Ryan. Let's talk about from LPL's uh, viewpoint and, and their global portfolio strategy view. Where are we on equities? Because equities have had just an absolutely tremendous run since the bottom of the market at the end of March to right now. Uh, and I understand that you guys think this will continue for a while. 
Well, John, we do. You know, we actually, I've become all of you guys all year, and, and we've said, you know, this is probably a new bull market. And there's a lot of reasons to think that's the case, whether it be positive news we're seeing on the vaccine front. Now, I know we know there's not perfect news out there, but the one thing that we've seen time and time again, earnings are coming in better than expected. The economy continues to do a little bit better. And that is important to note. Now, let's, let's, take a, let's think about this for a second here. In all likelihood, the U.S. economy just started a new economic expansion this summer. So let's say we're five to six months or so approximately in this new expansion. It's not official yet, but that's probably where we are. The average expansion lasts about five years. The last couple expansions lasted seven, 11, and 10 years. So it's so important for investors to remember that this is an early cycle, right? It just started. We just left that recession not too long ago. So, so these investments can continue to do well. Now, I get it. The concern is valuations are high, and we've got, we share some of those, those same concerns um, you know, near term. But I mentioned globally, like you said, a global portfolio. I mean, the emerging markets are relatively cheap, and there are some other parts for a U.S. investor, um, you know, specifically the cyclical value names, which are really coming back online, that aren't quite as pricey as some of those large cap tech names. And what about bonds? I know we talked about equities. Where do you guys stand on bonds? Yeah, with bonds, we think they could be uh, your average bond fund in 2021. So next year will probably be flat to slight a couple percentage points. We think stocks are going to outperform bonds next year. What's the number one thing that kind of moves bond prices? It's yields, right? If yields go up, bond prices tend to go down and vice versa. We think with the the 10-year yield next year can continue to kind of start to continue to move forward somewhere up around maybe one and a half percent approximately when all is said and done. And that could pressure bonds a little bit, but there's always a place for fixed income in someone's portfolio. Think about in March when stocks were down significantly, the people that had a little bit more bonds felt pretty comfortable. So there's some, some definite places bonds can um, help your portfolio. But just overall, as the economy continues to do well next year, we've got fiscal stimulus, we've got monetary stimulus. It all adds up in our view to stocks will do a little bit better than bonds next year. Um, but bonds are still, they still make a, they're still a good uh, portion of people's portfolios should have a little bit of bond exposure for the safety and income they provide. Ryan, talk to us a little bit about your uh, outlook on the international front at this point. Yeah. Well, Janet, I mean, like we said, I've kind of hinted at emerging markets already. We like emerging markets. They're cheap. It's where the growth is coming from. But let's go Let's go across the pond to Europe. You know, we haven't, I've worked at LPL, guys, for five years. Next month is my five-year anniversary. How about time flies? Congratulations. Um, but, you know, we've been underweight developed international, specifically Europe, for those five years. And we're still in that camp. And that's one of the number one questions I've received is, when's it time for Europe? We still see structural problems, some growth problems. So we still think Europe might not do quite as well, but we like emerging markets. And in the developed world, we actually like Japan as a potential wild card for some explosive growth and uh, really decent stock returns as well. So we like Japan and emerging markets in the United States. And then behind that, I think, is where we put Europe. Ryan, we've got about 45 seconds left. Let me uh, get you to quickly run down your favorite sectors for the economy for 2021. Yeah, I mean, we're sticking with who got us there, John. We still like tech, we still like healthcare, um, and we like communication services. But on the other side of things, called a barbell approach, the cyclical value names, if the economy comes back stronger, we think materials and industrials also can do well. So those kind of five groups, I guess we'll say, are our five sectors for investments as we head into 2021. Ryan Dietrich is the man who is in charge of the third pillar of investing at LPL Financial. Uh, It is clearly one of those pillars of financial independence. And Ryan, we appreciate your partnership. We appreciate you joining us on the Get Ready for the Future show today. 
Guys, I'm honored you had me every single month this year, and I look forward to doing every single month next year in 2021. Thank you. Absolutely. Merry Have a Christmas, great, Ryan. Merry Christmas, Merry Ryan. Christmas. We'll be back on the Get Ready for the Future show in just a moment. We're back on the Get Ready for the Future show discussing the four pillars of financial independence. We've talked about investing. We've talked about uh, the issue of protection. And we've talked about savings. But guys, I think uh, short of a major windfall, like winning the lottery or (laughs) inheriting a bunch of money from your rich uncle or something of that nature, most people can't make it to financial independence unless they work at it. And working at it really is described as having a plan. and and actually doing something called get rich slowly and and very methodically going through and mapping out how you're going to become financially independent. And that's something that we work every day with our clients uh, for here at GenWealth. You know, I had the opportunity um, over over the holidays a little bit, you know, you get a little bit of downtime with the family and everything. And I had the opportunity to um, talk with some young family members about what would retirement look like if and we started talking about the cash flow that they will be able to contribute starting in 2021 and and i just ran a financial calculator and there's nothing special about me as a financial advisor being able to do that but you can go online and go okay i've got however many years to retirement just put in eight percent and the reason i say that is that if you look at the worst 25 year time period ever in the history of the market it's 7.94 percent rounded up for an even number of eight percent and then put in what you would contribute and let that show you where that puts you and it'll either be really exciting or terrifying but on the and flip side of that though that tells you how much of a dollar amount exactly not how much income how you much income exactly and so for for them because they're young and they've mm-hmm. got time on their side they were kind of excited about that but there is still that critical point of with a plan the outcome really is all about the income. Now you have to have money to get that income for you. So you have to start planning with like, I've got to contribute something. I have Mm -hmm. to put something into the pot if I ever want to take something out of it. But it all ultimately leads to an income plan. Exactly. And if you're young and you're, you know, kind of in your 20s or 30s, just getting started is the first step. Definitely. But as you near retirement, once you hit your 50s, you need to be planning for a specific amount of income at that point, in my opinion. You've got to start that process of saying, how much do I need to live off of for X number of years, which in most cases, we're looking at 30 plus years in retirement nowadays. So it's not a small number you need to be planning for an income, but a strategy, a plan can make a huge difference in what that looks like for you. Well, and I would say, I wouldn't even necessarily say in your 50s or in your 40s or Mm -hmm. whatever, let's put a time frame to retirement. If you're if you're 10 years out from retirement because we have more and more people retiring at like 55 Mm -hmm. well there are some nuances there that you really need to plan for but if you're more than 10 years out or within within that 10-year time period it is time if you don't Mm -hmm. have an income plan it's time at this point and guys let's make the point that just because you attain some number on a on a uh, uh, statement or something of that right. nature, that doesn't mean that you are financially independent. Because mm-hmm. how many of us have sat with people that have seven figures of money, and then something has has transpired? Either they were stupid and did some things that they shouldn't have done, or maybe circumstances has has dealt them a, a big blow. 
And now they're struggling because of that circumstance that wasn't planned for, that wasn't pre, uh, you know, premeditated mm-hmm. as far as their, their planning was concerned. Well, I think it all goes back to a question of what are your income needs? And there are predictable income needs. And then, John, things like what you're talking about, the unexpected things in life and whether or not those are covered. But we've at least got to be sure that your predictable income needs are covered. And frankly, we've seen people who have only a couple of hundred thousand dollars for retirement and they make it just fine because mm-hmm. they're expenses are very low and then we've seen people who have you know seven figures and it's tight on the cash flow for them because their expenses are higher Mm -hmm. so it really is Teresa like you said earlier it is all about having an income plan and you've got to start by creating what we call the gap analysis right so there are regular predictable expenses that you have coming out of your household every single month those don't stop in retirement. So we have to have a regular, dependable, predictable income to offset that. If you have Social Security and a pension, those would go under that category. And then the next step is to say, okay, we've got our income at this level. Our expenses are over here at this level. If there's a gap, that's not okay. Just like the foundation of your home, going right. back to our house analysis, we've got to have as much income coming in as you have expenses going out every month as a starting point before we do anything else. And I can imagine that people think, well, this is tedious. Yeah, it is, but it's a whole lot less tedious than having to work through problems as far as your income is concerned when you're in retirement. Because I, I, I deal every day with people that are are in a situation where their circumstances have changed and now they need to rework their plan. And that becomes even more you know, problematic because now you're in the middle of the game so to speak, mm-hmm. and now you're trying to change the game plan. And, and that is that can be a real problem when it comes to this planning process. But you've got to sit down and go through that, that gap analysis that Teresa talked about, but also uh, putting together your plan. Uh, in addition to the income, you've got to think about things like investing, savings, protecting, and all of those things are part of the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process, Janet, that we uh, have have really sat down and over the years have evolved this process that allows people to to try to cover as many bases as possible. Yeah, if you want to think about a sports analogy for just a minute, if you pick your sport, it doesn't matter. You've got offense and defense, and you have to be good on both sides of the ball in order to win a game. If you're just good on offense and you stink at defense, then you're probably still not going to come out as the winner. The same is true financially. So if you think about like saving and investing, those are the things that are on the offense side they're going to help you score so to speak okay but if you think about protection that is something on the defense side so that if something goes wrong then you don't have to deal with that problem financially you have protection in place to help you to help you handle that so this again the same thing that is true in sports is true financially you've got to be good in both ways and you have to plan for that none of that happens accidentally just like it doesn't happen accidentally in a football game on a Saturday afternoon it's not going to happen accidentally in your financial plan it has to be put together on paper on purpose and the intentionality of that 
it, the most important thing for you is to just make the phone call and schedule the appointment. Mm-hmm. Most of the work, after you gather together the information, the rest of the work is really done by your team of advisors. And that's why I was going to stick with your sports analogy for a second, yeah. okay? Look at every professional athlete out there, and they will tell you this coach and this coach and this coach had an impact. Yes. We're the coaches, okay? You've got that raw talent. It's your income that's going to drive this. It's your day-to-day decisions that are going to drive this. But we have tools and experience that can add to what you've got to help you be more successful. It's just that simple. We're going to see things in our day-to-day lives here that you're probably not going to know even exist until you hit something that you go, oh, wait, how do I handle that? We can help you avoid the stress of that by coaching you through it. Yeah, there is a difference when you're, especially when you're talking about retirement income planning and what we do here at Gen Wealth Financial Advisors. There is an entire process involved in this. We, we have uh, a lot of resources that we bring to bear, and we work through it on an individual basis. But it really very much starts with Anna Olive, our new client introduction specialist. Uh, you'll have a phone conversation with her, talk a little bit about your situation. She'll get to know you, get to know your situation, understand who might on on our team be best to work with you. And, and then she will set up a, an introductory meeting with that advisor's team. And, and I stress team because we are team delivered here at GenWealth. Uh, that advisor's team will sit down and go to work with you to put that plan together for you. And as an outcome of that plan, you'll have an income that is very clearly earmarked for you and your retirement, along with a lot of other ancillary things that are there to help you down the road. You know, one of the things that um, never fails to surprise me as long as I've been doing this now is the questions that we get from from people who, you know, they've been earning income and saving it and investing it for decades, and they've got maybe a million dollars in their 401k, and they come in with some of the most basic questions about retirement income planning. And it's okay. There's no judgment there whatsoever. But my point is, don't feel bad about what you don't know because mm-hmm. nobody else knows it either. You know, yeah. it, it's it's up to us as the coaches, as the financial coaches, if you will, to know that information and to be able to share that with you. And uh, speaking of games, that was our uh, our final two minute warning <laughs> bell there. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of, a, kind of kind of gets your attention, doesn't it? Does. It does. So let's recap for just a second the four foundations of financial independence. If you want to be financially independent, other than as as I said, winning the lottery or hitting it rich from a rich uncle that passed away. This is your methodology. Number one is saving. You've got to have that buffer or what I call that margin in your life to get you through the tough times and to also uh, not have you robbing from Peter to pay Paul when you want to go do something that you can actually pay cash for it. Number two is investing. You've got to have an investing strategy and you've got to have a team of, of people who really understand the world of investing to help you with that. Number three is protecting. You've got to be sure that your uh, resources are protected, your income is protected, your homeowner's insurance is in place, all the, the health insurance that you need is in place. All of those things protect the ability to become financially independent. And the fourth thing, Janet, is planning. Teresa, final thought? Hope is not a plan, okay? Hope won't get you to financial independence, so don't hope things will work out. Plan for it. Get somebody to help you, be intentional, be proactive, and plan. 
I would just say if you're ready to get your plan on paper on purpose, give us a call, 501-653-7355, 501-653-7355. All four of those things are very important for financial independence. Without them, your plan is compromised. With them, you actually do have the ability to become financially independent. All right, that is going to do it for the Get Ready for the Future show for this week. We hope you've had a great Christmas if uh, you're listening to us on Terrestrial Radio. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, we thank you for joining us on our live portion of our show. We'll be back next week on another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 501-653-7355. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of Gen Wealth Financial Advisors, and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. 